0: I got a question for you. How important is your name to you? How does it feel when somebody mispronounces your name or calls you by a name, even a nickname, that you didn't offer? I know for me, I bristle when somebody calls me Lori. I don't know why, but I do. So when a student tells me I see the name is Ashley on my roster, that they want to be called Ashton, why would that be a problem for me? Why can't I just call this student the name that they asked to be called? It shouldn't be about me. If the student wants to be identified by a name that is not the name that I think they should be identified by, that is not their problem. That is my problem. Learning from Christina was incredible. Having them clarify the reason why they identify as they them and how they got to that point for themselves was so fascinating. I love this conversation and I hope you do too. I know you're going to learn a lot and I'm excited for how you take this lesson from Christina and put it into practice in your classroom. Education Unimagined, where we give students an opportunity to share their voice in a system where often their voice is unheard. I ask them to share their experience and advice on how we can improve the experience for everyone. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today, Unimagined Christina. It's really great to have you. I heard you on Matt Gil podcast, The Life Shift, and your interview resonated with me and I couldn't wait to find out But in education can we learn from your experience. I wanted to start with the fact that you identify as they, them. And for a lot of people in the older generation, that feels really foreign. Could you share what that mean for you to identify as they, them?
1: To identify as they, them for me means just being a human being being recognized as the human entity that i am it means identifying as a human being just like the rest of us i actually stumbled upon and a documentary that I did on myself for a school project about ten or so years ago, and I asked myself for this documentary to look in the mirror and ask myself what I saw. And I asked myself, "Do you see her? Do you see she? Do you see a woman?" And the answer was not really. Direct quote from ten-year-old Christina: "Not really." And so I looked in the mirror again, and I thought, "All right, do we see he, him, his? Do we see a man? Is that what I see when I look in the mirror?" And the answer again is not really. It's not a hard no. Either of them. It's not a hard yes on either of them, but it's not really. They just don't align with me. I just don't feel set in that box because within this society that we have, that means something. To be a woman means that you're associated with a specific set of gender roles. To be a man means that you're assigned a specific set of gender roles. And from what I see within society, I don't think that those gender roles actually make sense or are actually true to the majority of society. I don't believe that all men act the this way, I don't believe that all women act that way. And when I look at myself, to put myself in one of those boxes just feels incredibly limiting because I know that I'm so much more than that. That is what I would say using they, them, their pronouns means to me. I should also tell you I am non-binary, which means that again, I am not male, I am not female. I identify as everything in between and nothing at all. And sometimes I find myself labeling myself as agender, which means that I don't recognize any gender as well, which is another layer that we could go into, Lorraine, which is gender is also fluid, just like sexuality is fluid. And so you don't have to have a fixed label for yourself throughout the entirety of your life. There may be moments where you feel one way and there might be moments where you feel a different way. And that's okay. So then... For me as an educator,
0: how do I validate those feelings? Society has really binary genders and it's it's not a new thing, but it's new to our experience that people like yourself are identifying
1: this way. How do I engage in a way that allows you to be seen. I've been thinking a lot about that. You're in a unique position, Lorraine, and educators are in a unique position where you are outside of the household for many people. And inside the household can be a stressful place. No matter your situation, you likely want to make your family proud. And so you maybe allow yourself to do things outside of your home in a school setting or explore things in a school setting to where you feel a little bit more able to be free and be yourself. So educators, one of the first things that I would recommend would be first and foremost, leading by example. So using your pronouns, making that heard and making that a standard normalized process where you say, this is my name. These are my pronouns. This is how I'd like to be referred to. Even if those are what we would call, quote unquote, normal, or if you're cis and your pronoun and you align with your gender at birth, then using those pronouns pronouns, it still needs to be normalized. The second thing I would say would be, let's look at the examples that we use when we're teaching. A lot of the times, the examples will say she, her, hers, he, him, his. If we're doing a math lesson and we could throw a they in there, that would be fantastic. If we're doing an English lesson and we throw in some neo-pronouns, z, zim, zer, throw in some of these pronouns into actual examples that you're using in your classroom, that would incredibly increase visibility for people who use those pronouns. It would also help normalize that as well. And then the third thing that I would say is when you see somebody who does use different pronouns or experiencing their own gender experience just normalizing that as well if somebody tells you that they no longer use a specific name we don't use that name anymore if your name is lorraine and i called you lori without permission it's disrespectful if somebody tells you that they have changed their name and they're using different profiles it's about dignity It's about recognizing them for who they are. And nobody will understand anyone better than one person understands themselves. So if somebody comes to you with something, I would just recommend following their lead.
0: Names are... The first interaction you have with somebody, if we're not attuned to the pronunciation of a name, the spelling of a name, you're putting yourself in a position where you're saying it's not important enough to me to make sure that I understand
1: You. A thousand percent, Lorraine, to not refer to people the way that they are asking you to refer to them, it just roots back to a level of disrespect and it's hurtful. I think of the reaction sometimes
0: from people who make the mistake I didn't mean it. Fine, you didn't mean it, but you do need to acknowledge that you and make every attempt not to do it. I also had somebody tell me that over apologizing can be just as bad as not acknowledging the mistake.
1: There's definitely a fine line. I used to say I have gender issues. This was me like 16, 15, 14. I just have gender issues. And at that time, when people would misgender me, because I've presented masculine more masculine led for for the majority of my life I'm not unfamiliar with people misgendering me at first it just made me feel really awkward do I tell them do I not tell them should I just let it go if I tell them they're going to feel bad and I don't want them to feel bad I know that they made a mistake I'm not upset with them but they're wrong they're categorically wrong so what do I do here it did cause me a lot of anxiety and I used to just laugh it off as a defense mechanism now I've grown and I still try to maintain grace when I speak with people. So if they misspeak and they use the wrong gender term, they use the wrong pronoun, that's okay, And I am okay with that. I am not here to finger wag or cause a scene, truly, because I think there's a balance. I don't want to have a fight over this either. At the same time, Lorraine, to your point, it's like if you could just recognize, oh, I made a mistake, so sorry, and then just move on. It's just recognizing that you're making an attempt. Show me that you're making an attempt because it just feels like I'm not seen or understood when you keep barreling through without acknowledging that you did make a mistake. I'm gonna have grace with you if you make a mistake. If you could have some grace with me and understand some empathy that I'm just looking for respect as well. These are the pronouns that I use. If you could just please respect that.
0: Those are quite simple shifts, I also want to acknowledge that it's not about me as the educator, it's about the student. So if I am uncomfortable calling you a different name, if I am uncomfortable calling you those pronouns, then that's a problem for me. And it shouldn't be a problem that I transfer on to you as well, or the student as well. And I was, I was thinking about how you said Adding the pronouns, the more neutral pronouns, they, them,
1: z. Tell me what those are again. Z, zim, zer. But there are, there are many neo pronouns at this point. Interesting.
0: Just adding those in and normalizing, it makes such a difference. Teachers are afraid of that conversation because they're not ready
1: for it. And I would also add to that, you know, Alok Vaid Menon is somebody that I mentioned on Matt Gilhuli's podcast, The Life Shift. And I would bring up Alok again. Because a lock is first of all a resource of knowledge when it comes to gender and trans identities, etc. There is so much learning that can be done if you look into a lock. That is A L O K space V A I D dash. M-E-N-O-N. They are incredibly knowledgeable about trans issues. And one thing I really loved hearing from them was that you don't need to fight for me. I am happy as I am. I love myself. I grew into myself and I'm continuing to grow into myself, but I know who I am. I know that the gender binary doesn't really matter. I know that I'm beautiful and I know that I deserve love. What is troublesome is that there are people who look at me and they feel scared. What it really boils down to is that they're not allowing themselves to love themselves. So none of this is new which is the first thing that I want to say. None of this is new. Even the singular they is not new. If I go to a restaurant and I see a pair of glasses, just one, just one pair of glasses, I pick it up and I say, oh, somebody left their glasses here. One person left their glasses here. And I said, somebody left their glasses here. There the singular they. So it's not new per se. It's just that we're actually talking about it and we're addressing some of these things. If we actually take a look back in history, in indigenous cultures, of course, we know that there are two-spirit individuals. But even back to the European space as well, if we look back to ancient Rome, The trans individuals in the community were worshipped. They were revered. They were looked upon as the wise individuals within the society, and kings and queens would come to them for consult. So I don't know where we went wrong, but I want it to be clear that this is not new by any means. It's just that we're finally talking about it again.
0: That's a really beautiful piece to acknowledge. What was your experience in high school like? coming to this realization or coming to this acknowledgement i don't think it was a realization but an acknowledgement that society says you
1: should be a or b and you're like "Mm, not really i struggled with it for a long time because i'm also pan so there were two things that i was dealing with at once one was my sexual identity and one was my gender identity And then the intertwining of those and then peeling back the layers of each. I was comfortable enough with my my sexuality. I was outed. At first, that was jarring to just feel so exposed on something that was so deeply personal to me. And I wasn't ready to share it with the world. It was also incredibly freeing. Now, gender was something that took a little bit longer for me to come to terms with. Again, not realization to your point, acknowledgement. I had struggled with it from my earliest memories. I remember drawing pictures of what I wished that I looked like and I would draw these figures and this was very early on, but I would draw these figures with this very square jaw. I wasn't sure where that was coming from but I just felt the need to keep drawing it and drawing it. So how it ended up playing out was I would be more sporty and that is why it's like gender. That's not a masculine thing. Women can play sports, but In this world that we live in, I was very active in sports. I would tend to wear athletic wear in my day to day. So I would present in a more masculine way, but I was very afraid to identify with the word trans because it felt so large, especially because I didn't have the understanding of the language that we have today. So I didn't feel, remember, I looked in the mirror, I said, man, not really, woman, not really. And so I didn't feel like I could belong to the trans community because I didn't fit in just one box. As I've continued to learn and grow, I have found that trans is actually just an umbrella term. So there are two camps that you can be in as a human being. You could be a cis individual, which means that your body parts align with your gender. Or you could be trans, which is anything else. (laughs) So, trans is really an umbrella term. There are non binary people and people who identify with other genders that don't necessarily like to identify or use the word trans. Again, if somebody doesn't want to identify with a word, we don't use that word for them. So, I respect non binary people and other various gendered individuals who don't like to use the word trans. But for myself, I do identify as trans and I just want to make it clear that it did take me a long time to get to a place where I felt comfortable using that word because of the stigma that society puts on it. One of the first moments of dysphoria that I can really identify is feeling like a crossdresser. I have these womanly parts, but I feel like I'm cross-dressing when I wear a dress. I don't feel like I'm representing myself. I feel like I'm representing someone else. In sophomore year of college, one of the biggest moments for me was during that summer, I actually cut my hair off. If you're just listening audio-wise, I got a fade on my sides and inches, five inches on the top. It changed my life to be able to allow myself to make the changes to my body that made me feel my most authentic self.
0: Authenticity is not something that we really talk about unless we don't fit into society. The whole point of this podcast, student voice is really important because every individual is individual. And in order to allow you to be authentic, we have to take those boxes away.
1: I Couldn't agree more, Lorraine. I think that life is so gray. We look at things in black and white and it's truly not. We have access to so many words that can help us put things into a box because that's what it comes down to. We really like to label things to make things easier for ourselves to understand, good or bad, however we feel about that. If we're going to use labels, it's important that we use the right labels. That's
0: one of the challenges in education is that there are so many labels. As an educator, I often felt like I couldn't label everything or I couldn't remember all the labels that I was supposed to know. Maybe the simple answer is to stop labeling and just let things be, but that's not the way we operate especially
1: in education. I love what you just said about labeling. I would love to stop labeling. And I think that that's what we should aim for. I also want to take this time to center and address non-white individuals who also are falling under this trans umbrella with the, the compounded injustices, let's say, that can occur with both of them. With race, it sounds good to be colorblind, but in actuality, it's important that we understand that non-white individuals, they do experience different worlds than we experience so to be blind to color is actually incredibly harmful to the individuals who experience what it means to be a different race every single day until we can get to a place where we find true equity and inclusion, then it's not a good idea to be colorblind. I would take that same thought process into the labeling of Queer individuals, and I would love to not have labels, but we're not there. And until we're there, it's important that we normalize the labels and the terms that the community is asking to be normalized.
0: Using the correct labels is important because when you mislabel, you're misidentifying an individual. What advice would you give to peers if you could go back and address the age group in which you started to come to the realization? If you're
1: listening to this and you're questioning your gender, if you have thoughts about it that maybe don't seem quote-unquote normal, I want you to know that it is okay. It That is normal. To not consider yourself and how you experience life and how you express yourself would be unnormal. It doesn't matter what people think, which is something that's easier said than done in terms of understanding, but just keep thinking and talking to yourself about this, find community. Feel free to experiment is probably the biggest thing that I would want people of that age to know. It's okay to play with things. I would cut my hair and then take the trimmings of my hair and put it on my face to see how I felt about that. You know, how do you feel about it? It's okay to experiment with gender, it's okay to experiment with yourself. That's the first thing that I would wanna say. The second thing that I would wanna say is be safe. <laughs> And know where you are safe. Create communities that you find safety in. Find individuals that you feel like you can confide in and create that chosen family because that chosen family is going to be incredibly helpful along your journey. even if they don't align with your exact gender or anything like that. to have a support system is incredibly, incredibly valuable.
0: What are some ways to help kids find community if you have some suggestions? I, didn't know other people
1: felt the way I felt. I didn't realize that that was okay. You can find that community where community exists. There's a fantastic group of individuals on Instagram, other social media platforms especially TikTok, and then there are organizations within your community pride organizations for you throughout the country. And so I would just recommend tapping into those resources and online is the best place that you could find that community. The last piece that I was Leave with educators across the country would be, you do not have to agree with trans individuals. You do not have to like that there are different genders out there. And maybe you don't believe that It's correct. (laughs) What I would say to you, if you are that educator, is that you do not have to agree with somebody else's identity. You just need to be empathetic to it. Empathetic does not suggest right or wrong. Empathetic does not suggest true or false. Empathetic means I see you as a human being and I understand what you're going through. I get it. So you just have to get it. You don't have to agree. You don't have to have an opinion. Just understand that somebody is having an experience and that's enough. That is incredible. And I want to just end right there
0: because for me, leaving on that note, it doesn't matter what I believe. I just need to see you as a person. I need to see you as an individual going through life. And that is it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing all of your individual experiences. I really am grateful for your time today.
1: Oh, absolutely, Lorraine. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for creating this platform. And thank you for the work that you're doing because it's truly invaluable. A
0: startling 90% of teenagers don't see themselves as leaders. Let that sink in. 90%. This prevents them from reaching their full potential, it negatively impacts their growth as an individual, and it creates high levels of anxiety and depression. It took me 47 years to understand my own value, and I know you don't want this to be the case with your child, your students, the people in your life, and I'd like to help make sure it isn't. If you want your children, your students, the people in your life to wake up every day knowing how to own their inner leader and get comfortable breaking out of their shell to do amazing things in their life? Have them join my upcoming webinar. You can find it at Peers Not Fears. In 30 minutes, those who attend are clear on their value as a leader, they are confident on how to lead from that place and they are excited about what their next steps in life are. It's free to join this webinar. If you search Peers Not Fears, you will come across my Leadership Academy. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast Unimagined for all the amazing upcoming interviews that I have on the slate. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon.